Hi there, and welcome to the Engage Customer Podcast. Our mantra is that organisations need to be where their customers are, cutting across internal silos and taking a more holistic view, delivering a consistent service across all channels, offline, online, social and mobile. For over a decade, we've helped some of the world's biggest brands engage with their target customers on a deeply emotional level with industry-leading conferences and online digital media. To find out more, visit engagecustomer.com. Today, our podcast host, Dave Darcy, is joined by Ian Golding, CEO and founder of Customer Experience Consultancy. Ian is a highly influential freelance customer experience consultant. He advises leading companies on CX strategy, measurement, improvement and employee advocacy techniques and solutions. Ian has worked across multiple industries, including retail, financial services, logistics, telecoms and pharmaceuticals, and has deployed customer experience tools and methodologies all over the world. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Dave Darcy, the founder and managing director of Laughing Leadership. And today I've been asked to host the Engage podcast. Um, Our guest today uh, is a man with um, an enormous list of current tasks that include it's Ian Golden, and Ian is a vastly experienced customer experience consultant, as, as many will know. Um, he is the co-founder of the Entrepreneurial Retreat Program, an executive director and ambassador at the Customer Institute, a non-exec editor of CX Magazine, uh, CX course director at the Chartered Institute of Marketing, a certified customer experience professional, and the CEO and founder of Customer Experience Consultancy Limited, which Ian has run for the last 11 and a half years. Ian, hello, how are you? And how on earth do you know who you are today? Well, I'm not quite sure about the last question, but I will say hello, Dave. It's lovely to chat with you. Um, yeah, but there's, well, I, I've always overburdened myself with lots of things, um, but that that's partly down to my desire to share as much knowledge as I possibly can around this subject. So um, I, I do sometimes struggle to fit it all in, but um, I, I get there in the end. Well, I, hopefully that great level of, of sharing around of knowledge um, is going to come to, to light for everybody today. I'm sure it will. Um, you know, I'm going to start with the, the usual question that seems to be the norm in these conversations of late. You know, it's uh, it's been a changed world over the last uh, three years you know we, we customer experience is very different now to perhaps what it was back at uh, the end of 2019 um you know how do you feel that, that cx has evolved and you know it during that time and you know is it winning or is it losing well, no, that, that, that's a question um I, I am asked that question a lot um one thing is always inevitable um and i'm I do remind myself of this on a a frequent basis, and that is change is inevitable. Nothing ever stays the same. Um, Are we prepared for change? I think is a different question, but it's a a very importantly connected question because I would argue that most are not really prepared for change and for change to happen. Um, We live in an incredibly reactive world, as I think COVID demonstrated. Although what COVID did demonstrate is that if you're put into a complete crisis, people can react quite effectively. Um, But why should it take a complete crisis for people to react in that way? Um, One of my big worries right now is that when the next pandemic hits, because inevitably something like that will happen again, who's got a plan in place of what they're going to do the next time? Um, I don't think I've come across 
any organizations yet that are thinking about what to do next time. Uh, and I did find myself during the pandemic talking a lot and reminiscing a lot about Y2K. Um, now, Dave, forgive me for saying that you can remember Y2K. Um, okay. you know, but the amount of preparation for something that actually didn't happen, yeah. <laughs> you know, but why was it that that got everyone excited, but nothing else ever since has? Maybe it was because nothing happened. So, um, I think that the world has changed radically. It will continue to change radically. The way consumers interact is different. We need things to become increasingly more accessible, simpler. But the big but, coming back to your is CX winning or losing, whilst we've been through just radical change in a very short period of time, if I were being completely honest with you, the way organizations are focusing on customer experience in 2023 is not radically different to the way they were focusing on customer experience in 2011. Do you know, I, I, I 100% agree with you. I think that's an interesting way of looking at it. And, and I think um, the difference in the way in which customers now need to interact and the inference off of that being you know, the, the, the many new channels, the artificial intelligence input and so on and so forth. And yeah, you know, it, it's, it, strikes me that um you know we, we've moved towards this this different omni-channel artificial intelligence world but are we using that tool to ours and to our customers best uh, best advantage and i think again in my opinion in general based on what i've seen no <laughs> and and if i take it beyond just ai I think to a degree, what has changed, obviously, since 2011 is technology. Um, but technology itself is not enough. You know, I think far too many organizations see technology as the panacea that answers everything. It will solve all of our problems. But unfortunately, most of the time, the motivation for technology is not to improve the customer experience, it's to save money. It's to eliminate human interaction and cut cost. Um, AI to cost-focused business leaders is the most exciting thing ever because it means I can get rid of more people. Um, and I'm being rude and blunt because I'm sure there are leaders out there that don't think like that. But I think we'd be rather naive to think that many aren't thinking that way. But the, the biggest issue is that Whoever is putting AI in place is a human being. Whoever is managing technology is a human being. You know, the technology makes it easier for us to do things, but you still need humans at the end of the day to understand how we're using that technology to better enable human to human interaction. And I think what I've seen over the last five years is organizations throwing technology at customers without having any comprehension of what the impact on the customer is going to be. And ultimately, all that means is that experiences are made worse. But fundamentally, what's even more frightening than that is that we are making the experience for our employees worse. And right now, that is, I think, the, the big hot potato. It, it, it isn't even customer experience, actually. But until organizations wake up and smell the coffee, and realize that we've got to start treating our people like people, um, they are never going to fulfill an ambition of being sustainably customer-led. 
I think you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm, that, that, you make a fabulous point, and I'd like to come back to that in a moment. Mm. I think closing off the AI point first, um, I, 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 I love the way you've described it. I think you're absolutely correct. I, I think that um, I view it that um, companies as a whole have used AI to enable them to do what they do yes. cheaper, or automatically yes. or, or yeah they they haven't taken to my mind the opportunity to look at the technology and go how could we use this to make what we deliver to our customers better yeah, how you know, given that opportunity to kind of go oh what would we use the ai for you know where's your where's your nirvana in that world what do you see as well, being well, the you best see, uh, there is a nirvana because ai is to a degree not not the overarching panacea but it it could be a panacea because one of the things that I have seen throughout my entire career, which is 28 years, is the need for simplification. You know, organizations have massively overcomplicated themselves over the years. And there are so many non-value added tasks being performed by people that actually don't need to be performed by people. And where you've got technology that can actually eliminate that, it could take that away. Because we're wasting time getting people to do things that actually they shouldn't have to do. Um, that's where AI's got a role to play, I think. But but the only way you can determine how to, I think, adopt AI effectively is if you truly understand a the customer journey and b how your business processes align to that journey. Because if you can see the alignment between the two, and I say alignment, but for most it will be misalignment, how can you use something like AI to better connect what the organization does to the way the customer actually then has their experience? If, if AI and other technologies are used in alignment with the journey, that's where organizations will win. Because not only will they save a huge amount of money, they will create that capacity for their people to focus on the important stuff. And, you know, I, I, anyone that listens to me at the moment, um, Dave, knows that I hate the word stretched. You know, everyone tells me that they're stretched. And it's like, well, that, that's the that's what I, AI can help you with to, to get rid of that stuff. But again, I'm not seeing that happen in reality yet. No, I think I think, again, you make some really, really good points. I'd love for us to get to a world where um, where you know, we've had predictive dialers, for example, for many, many, many years. I'd love us to get to the world where uh, the AI is, is the predictive tool that enables us to deliver that you know, white glove, world class standard of experience to a customer. And it's within our grasp. It just needs somebody to. No, it's like someone phones a, a retailer. You know, what, what are your opening hours? You know, you shouldn't have to be speaking to a human. That to our, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, a non-value question, or mm. it's something that actually, if there is the technology, which I believe there is, that autom an automated voice could say, "Oh, I understand that. Yeah, you're are opening up." That is where the benefit comes. Of course. Um, but people have got to understand what the customer journey looks like. And customer journey mapping gets a, a huge amount of negative press, um, largely because it's been adopted badly over the years. Um, but that doesn't mean that the customer journey is not important. Um, understanding the journey is critical going forward. You touched a little earlier on, on the, what I see as the most important aspect of, of, of the mm. customer experience and that is the 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 employee and i myself launched just recently my business laughing leadership entirely on the basis that 
I believe happy employees make happy customers and happy customers make happy balance sheets. Um, and, and so, you know, shouldn't we start at the, the employee? I'd love to hear a little bit about your view um, on that. I completely agree with you. I and I'm sure you have probably said this before, even if not to your clients, to yourself. Um, I get state paid to state the blindingly obvious <laughs> because it's not difficult to understand, is it? You know, if we treat our people in the right way, then we've got the opportunity for our people to treat our customers in the same way. Um, the most customer centric organizations on Earth have always known that. You know, it is the ability of their people to interact with customers in a certain way that differentiates them. Um, but one of the things that I preach about is that the thing that a customer is most likely to remember about their experience with an organization isn't the product. It isn't the technology that you're using to get to the product. It's the way your people made, made them feel. You know, it's your interaction with humans that you remember. You don't really remember anything else. Yes, now, to, to a degree, people will say to me, yeah, but Amazon is all about technology. Yeah, but there are human beings behind Amazon that enable that technology to work. And if you do have to interact with a human at Amazon, which is very rare because it doesn't go wrong very often, um, you know, your experience will be a good one. Um, it is unfortunate, though, that sadly, when you look at most organizations today, what we're not seeing are people being treated in the same way that we want the customer to be treated. Um, I think COVID is the, the again, that there's so much that we can learn from the COVID period, but the fallout from COVID is a classic example of this. Um, when you look at many um, blue collar jobs like baggage handlers at airports for example um you know firing them all at the beginning of covid you know that the airlines and the airports would argue was a necessity but they then couldn't get them back again yeah. now why could they not get them back again now they couldn't get them back again and it, it wasn't just about money it was because those people were treated incredibly badly before they were fired um, being a baggage handler in an airport, I have been advised, was not a particularly nice experience. You were treated as a, the lowest common denominator almost. Um, and so when they wanted them back again, what these people realised when they left the airport is that hmm, there are lots of other things I could do where actually I can be the master of my own destiny. People can talk to me nicely. I don't have horrible working conditions. And do you know what? I, I'm going to go somewhere else. Um I think this is a, a massive wake up call to all industries, because what I'm very concerned about right now is that we have got to get our head around the nature of not just customer needs and wants changing, but employee needs and wants changing. And this becomes critical as the workforce evolves, because what we also saw through COVID is that a lot of those people who had had enough, basically, retired you know do you know what I, I don't need that i don't need that stress in my life anymore i'm just going to retire now that means you need new people to come in the next generation you know people like my eldest daughter who will be hitting the workforce in the next couple of years but what i don't think many organizations are thinking about is how are we going to attract those people because 21 year olds in 2023 don't want to do what dave and ian did 30 years ago you know, they don't want to work in an office. 
you know, chained to their laptop, you know, being shouted at or demeaned or patronized. How are we going to um, demonstrate to the next generation that actually we, we want them, we need you, we value you? Because I, I think that this is a ticking time bomb for many traditional office-based industries that they have not got their heads around yet. I agree. I agree a great deal with what you're saying, Ian. I think that um, yeah, you, you're quite correct that, that however many 30 years or whatever it was ago that you and I would have been beginning, um, yeah, we had a different approach to, to a different view of hierarchy that, that perhaps well, doesn't exist now. Um, and, you know, and I think in exactly the same way, that management of employees now needs to adapt to um, the fact that people coming through and starting into the employment world now um, come through with a, a different style of upbringing, a different expectation. You know, even five, ten years ago, I make the joke all the time, making staff happy is not about beanbag slides and free fruit on Friday. Um, no. It is absolutely about um, providing them with an environment where they feel trusted, valued, ah. that their input is important. So, and, so there so there so. you go. It's the, the word trusted. All right. I, I, I think still to this day, as I said, I've been in the workplace for 28 years, still to this day, when you talk about empowerment, all right, I, I can see people in the room looking at the ceiling and the floor. Okay, that there is something about that word that makes people uncomfortable because empowerment means that you're giving someone else control. And, and I think fundamentally, leaders don't want to give people control. It's a very general, of course, there are leaders that are hugely empowering but i believe they're in the minority i think the majority and whether this is a failing of university schooling the way leaders are developed in their career i don't know but i am seeing and i have seen over the last five years some shocking examples of poor leadership that is almost entirely down to the fact that they do not want people to think they just want people to do what they're told. Uh, and, you, you know, if if you don't want me to think, you don't need me. You know, that, that's where it replace me with AI because <laughs> you, you don't need me to do the job. Um, if we want people to really feel that they are adding value, really feel that actually they, they get excited about coming to work every day, we need them to know that they've got the power to do what they need to do. Um, just get on with it. Do it. Do what you think is the right thing. But do organisations trust people? You know, I don't think they do in general. I think it's, it's a really interesting point in that, um, that that you're right. I haven't really considered it, but that word empowerment um, has connotations for both sides. You know, empowerment, when you're the person being empowered, um, you know, it may some people will take that as, oh, that's great news. I have the, the ownership and the responsibility of this. Others will see that as, oh, hang on, so I'm going to be the one to blame if this goes wrong. And, and I think trust gives it that message that says it's something else. It says, I'm not giving you ownership or responsibility of this. I'm trusting you. I'm giving yes. you the trust to go do this. And, you know, it's how we raise our children, if you think about it. We give our yes. children the opportunity to go out a little bit later in the day, to stay out with their friends, to stay yes. overnight with their friends as they get older and older, because you give them that trust. And I think, and you know... Parenting is a, a brilliant analogy for business, I think. But because you... Again, if you, if you are a parent that just tells children, their children what to do, you know, and doesn't give them permission to do anything or think for themselves, then you will develop a human being that won't think for themselves. 
um, you know, ultimately, it, we have got to recognize that people have got amazing capability, you know, but but let them do it. And if they make a mistake, do you know what? That that that's normal. <laughs> it, it, and I Thank think that, that, that's another key part of leadership is that if we don't allow people to experiment, they'll never get anything wrong. And when something does go wrong, that's when we can't cope with it because we're not used to it. You know, I, I almost think that um, and the obsession in schools with great exam results, you know, kids come out of school thinking that they're always going to get an A. You know, you don't always get an A. You, you know, you are going to fail. And actually, I mean, I, I don't know if you know, Dave, but I, I teach the um, professional qualification in customer experience. Uh, I have some brilliant mentees who don't pass the exam, mm. right? And you know that 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 feel feeling of pain, all right. That I, I totally get it, but it doesn't define them, you know. But many of these people aren't used to failing, you know. They've never failed before, and they don't. It's a very very good point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. I, I... I'm sure you you've been there. You mentioned your, your daughter's age. I've been through that a number of times with our children, and yeah, um, yeah, trying to get them to understand that GCSEs and A levels are important. They really are yes. important, but they're not life defining. No. You can you can move on to the next thing on that. And I, yeah, I always love to 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 tell people this, but uh, yeah, a child learns to walk by falling over. Yes, that's very true. Yeah. Adults learn to fall learn by falling when they've drunk a bit too much. But, um, but you know, I've got it wrong so many times in my career. But, but I think what, in my opinion, is is sort of leadership defining is when you're quite happy to tell people about that. You know, it's normal. You know, I have made so many mistakes as a customer experience specialist, but I need others to know that I've made those mistakes because it's from those that you become better at what you do. Yeah. Um, and, and, and as I say, it is reality. The most customer centric organization on earth is going to get it wrong. Things yeah. go wrong, but it's the way you deal with it when it goes wrong that is the key. And I think if we think about um, uh, AI, go back to the AI, and, and, and uh, I'm, I'm doing a talk tomorrow on the subject of generative AI. And when I agreed to do the talk, the first thing I thought was I better go and find out what generative AI is. <laughs> um, but but it, in reality, if you think about just generative intelligence it is exactly what we're talking about here it is that people have their starting position they have the knowledge they have and then their experiences shape what they learn and know moving forward yes. and and they discover what works well and what work what doesn't work so well i think you know it, it's not i must i've always wanted to get a job in nasa so as i could say it is rocket science but it's not rocket science it's not but you know so much of what we're talking about isn't but it's i, I think it, it's largely about being open-minded recognizing that you don't know everything no one knows everything recognizing that change is inevitable so we've got to constantly rethink how are we operating and are we doing what's right for our people and for our customers and if that mindset is there of that constant evolution then you will constantly change um, and that's where you are far more likely to be sustainable over time it's those organizations that refuse to listen to anything or anyone that, that they will inevitably fail. Um, and a lot of people say to me, yeah, but, you know, big organizations that are, are terrible, have been there for, you know, hundreds of years, that no business is too big to fail. And okay. it will only take a disruptor coming into the industry that 
does it differently and then suddenly you've got a problem and it, it's too big a problem to deal with and I, I believe that could happen to any organization at any moment and no, if they don't prepare themselves for it that they will cease to exist so no, I'm conscious of our of our time. Let's move on to to the solution. We've I think we've spent a long time here violently agreeing on <laughs> on what doesn't work necessarily quite well. But I think the thing that we do agree most on is that the place to start is with the employee. That that's the beginning point. What's the master plan, Ian? How do we get people in the customer experience world to start to focus on the employee? Um. So my my view and reality are two different things but um governance and accountability when it comes to customer and employee experience is critical um the underlying cause of much of what we're talking about is a lack of accountability um and that's to a degree slightly understandable because in most commercially generating organizations they are focused on financial results because leaders are driven by shareholders to achieve those results. And if they don't, then, you know, they'll, they'll be out on their ear. Um, but I think what is critical is for leaders to stop and reflect on strategically, what are they trying to achieve? The, the biggest issue is that what we're talking about um, ultimately is a long-term strategy. To be a people-led organization, if historically you haven't been, doesn't happen in six months. And I think this is the, the ongoing conflict between needing to hit the numbers and needing to transform. Because very few organizations have the courage to say, do you know what? We don't hit our numbers east this year. That's fine. Because what we're focused on is repositioning. That, that, that's a very brave direction to go in. Um, but but if you if, if an organization and its leadership working in conjunction with shareholders are prepared to say, do you know what? This is about sustainable growth, not short term growth that potentially will go the other direction next year, but sustainable growth. We need to have governance in place that clarifies accountability and then a framework. Um, I am a huge believer of the need for having structure and rigor to make the management of customer experience intentional. Um, it, a lot of people are actually focusing on the customer and the employee by accident. Okay, and, and it's uh, an expression I've been using for a number of years now, but the accidental experience is what most of us are having. Um, you could by accident just have an incredibly empathetic boss you know and you're just you're one of the lucky ones but your, your mate who works in another department has got you know the the evil devil from hell you know who is totally different it, it's totally accidental um we, we cannot rely on the accidental experience either as a customer or an employee and the only way to address that is to put structure in place where we have a very clear understanding of the competencies required to become sustainably customer focused and where the employee fits into that um, and the alignment of the employee experience to the customer experience. Still to this day, not enough organizations have that governance or framework in place. And, and that's again, one of the reasons why there's lots of talk, but the talk doesn't translate itself into real tangible change. Um, 
and and just to, to finish on that when i talk about governance and framework i don't mean unnecessary bureaucracy this does not have to be complicated it's not complicated but it requires the commitment of leadership to make it happen i wholeheartedly agree with you i think at some point somewhere we are going to see a very very brave um ceo who who nails their colors to the mast and says I'm putting customer first here. I'm, and to put customer first, I've got to put my employees first. And when they steal a march on the rest of the industry, I think you know, we'll all be happy to stand and applaud. It's happened. It will continue to happen. You know, I mean, p people forget that Amazon didn't make money for 20 years, you know, it, because Jeff Bezos knew this is a long term game. Um, the financial markets hated him, absolutely hated him because he, he wouldn't talk about the numbers. Um, you know, and, and Amazon are not you know, the be all and end all. Um, one of the greatest examples of customer centricity in the UK is a company called Northern Gas Networks. You know, they dig holes in the ground. Um, but but that that is their CEO being the kind of leader that we've been talking about during this podcast. Yeah. You know, it, it had to be about people. And by putting his people first, he created an incredibly customer focused, empathetic organisation. I, I fully agree. Ian, thank you so much. I think there's been a great, great half hour chat and we really must uh, must repeat it and then do it more often. It's, a, it's great to talk to somebody with with aligned views. Um, I in, in, in closing, um, I try and one of the things I'm, I build on all the time is what fun, work needs to be a fun place to be. So we try and have a bit of fun. And uh, um, so I'm not going to ask you to tell a joke because that would just be unreasonable. <laughs> um, but uh, almost Ken Bruce, Radio 2 style, uh, um, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to shout out to anybody you want to say hello to. And then we're going to say goodbye. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to. <laughs> Well, listen, it's been such a pleasure talking to you, Dave. Um, it would be remiss of us not to finish our conversation by, by, by just saying good luck to Liverpool and Leighton Orient for next season. That, that would be my closing line. And I, and I hope one day we can share a league, but let it be the Premier League. Well, 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 the only similarity we've got is we come after each other in the alphabet of English football <laughs> teams. But, you know. <laughs> that, that, well, that will always be then. So, thank you very, very much for your time. It's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much, Dave.